I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Rock. Wow. Yeah. Welcome. 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 To Prem de la Prem. I am once again welcoming you back to Prem de la Prem. Welcome back, everyone. The Premier League is back, and what a return it was. Patrick Crowley in here in the virtual booth with me. How are you doing, bud? Doing great. What's 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 not to love? What is not to love about the fixtures back? Normal service is resumed, and match week I guess thirty plus was almost a microcosm. Yeah, thirty plus according to uh, the fantasy website was almost a microcosm of everything we've come to the to expect from the Premier League. You got the good and the bad. You got the great goals, the controversy, the injuries, the questionable hairstyles. Mike Dean has a beard. Um, that was probably the biggest talking point about the Merseyside Derby. We'll get there. But Patrick, question for you. Mm. If you could if you could sum up this week, this return of the Premier League in one word, what would it be? Mm. That's a good question. Um Well, upsetting's the first thing that comes to mind, but from mm-hmm. a more objective More objective, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's pull it up. I, I'd go I'd go entertaining. This isn't about you. I'd go entertaining. I think Oh, that, entertaining. Okay. Um, and, and not in the term, not in 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 the footballing sense, but I think the Premier League. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the Premier League is. Um, I think one of its best qualities is even though when it it doesn't create stories, um, you know, on the pitch or through great football, it creates a lot of good things to talk about. And, and this match week plus whatever you want to call it was uh, was no exception. So I, I say it was entertaining. What about you? Yeah, it's the live theater that we've all been missing from our lives. Right. Uh, where even if it's not what's happening with the players and, and the ball, um, there's always something guaranteed to uh, give you a talking point. For me, I'd say rusty. I'd say rusty because yeah, it looks like we were playing glorified friendlies across the board where, you know, it, to nobody's fault, you know, we can get into the games themselves and I, I reserve a lot of criticism of the players because – They've been rushed back into match fitness, and you can tell they are just hauling ass by the 60th minute, huffing and puffing. And it made for pretty boring matches with really lively last 20, 30 minutes or so. I'd say it that was, was a very interesting trend. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the substitutions were a mess. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you got people who were, uh, you know, there's so many big players who are coming back into teams having been out for not just... Um, you, you know the quarantine, but they were out due to injury prior to that. So right. not only being rushed into, um, rushed back into the team and all these hectic fixtures. You know everyone's fighting for different positions in the league, fighting relegation battles. The title battle's already gone, but uh, everyone else is jockeying. So it's 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 madness. James is what it is. It's just madness. And there's so many different ways you can categorize that. The one that yeah, like really coming- stood out to me in a comical fashion was. Uh, no more than a minute after Pogba was on, I think he had a, a pretty brilliant slide tackle and then a cross into the box. And then I couldn't help but notice immediately, hands on his hips, huffing and puffing. <laughs> <laughs> right after and, he came on? 
that right is a little bit of like what is Pogba's demeanor and what is him just being absolutely gassed. Yeah, because he hasn't his, played since Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah, his mouth was open. His mouth was open, and he was. I think he. You know when. Um, just like you know when you first go back in the, in the second to plan, round. Yeah. yeah, you know when you first go back to playing soccer, you haven't played in a while, and you just say like, you know what, let me get the legs loose, run a lap around the field, and then you're just absolutely gassed. And you just I, take a yeah. lap around the field to warm up, and then you got to go in there and play. <laughs> That's what I think Pogba did. I think Pogba <laughs> ran himself dry on the sideline, and then he came employed, in. Yeah. He employed the Crowley method. He's got one play in him, and then it's taken away the rest of you. Though, though I thought I thought Pogba had quite a few plays in him. We'll we'll touch on that, I'm sure. Yeah, um, we'll touch on that. Yeah, but why don't we start? Why don't return. we start from the beginning, the way beginning? And when I say rusty, it's players remembering how to play and get to fitness, and also referees remembering how to officiate the game. And I remember last week we said this season was going to be remembered by coronavirus and its effect on pausing the league, and thus taking the hot seat off of VAR. But boy, did they try to get the spotlight back on them. Aston Villa versus Sheffield. It's it's just a, it's something to admire. There's really like they they have all the all the all the runway to improve, all the runway to say, you know what, VAR's problems were a thing of the past. And here we go. First game. <laughs> Fucking new leaf. I'm doubling down all yeah. in. <laughs> and for me, the, the the blame goes solely to VAR here. I don't really have any issues with Michael Oliver or even the assistant. No, no. On this so- one. Yeah, I guess so. Incident. Um, Sheffield, it, it, it was a mess of a free kick where Sheffield put a ball into the box. Uh, miscommunication between Villa's defender and the goalkeeper. You see Nyland, Villa's goalkeeper, well inside his own goal holding the ball like a kid who just caught, got caught with his, with his hand in the cookie jar. Like I feel like Michael Oliver could just look at his face and have some general understanding of a guilty facial expression and give the goal. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's not what the game's based on. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned not blaming Michael Oliver, but Hawkeye technology. I mean, why don't we just jump straight into my freak of the week? These guys who make their name on being able to identify when a ball is over the line, uh, their cameras went missing at a crucial time. So, yeah, we got Michael Oliver checking his his, his watch and saying play on. And then, as you mentioned, VAR just decided not to circle back on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a, it's such a freak situation because how long has Hawkeye technology been around? I feel like it's been, you know, at least six, seven years, maybe ten. I don't, I don't really know how long it's been around, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's been kind of the arbiter of truth in so many razor sharp decisions, and it's never really been questioned. You know, every time they do that, you know, little thing to show that uh, you know the ball's you know ten. 10 millimeters across the line. It's like, oh, man, I can't believe it went in. You know, there's no... That's how you check it. Yeah. Like the John Stones clearing it off the line. Like, nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred in the Premier League anymore, Patrick. There's no safe haven of technology. I Like, Hawkeye was the one thing I thought we could rely on that was like, football's in the modern era. Yeah, they said the... (laughs) I think their official stance was was just like, we apologize. Yeah. Looks like it clearly went in. We have seven different... What cameras that help us determine this, and all seven were blocked. Um, but from and so honestly, for Hawkeye technology, it's a it's a it's a humanizing moment for for the tech. But mm-hmm. I don't really have a big issue. It goes right back to VAR for me. If you can see it with the naked, it's a clear and obvious error. Just because it's a clear and obvious error of the technology, doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it. 
I, I, I just can't for the life of me figure out how VAR says, oh, we got Hawkeye, that, you know, they must be right. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's the ultimate, like, pop quiz on the first day back at school. You're just like, they were probably, yeah, they, they probably weren't even in, in, um, they probably hadn't even settled. They were probably still talking around the coffee, the coffee mug, you know, seeing how everyone's, how's the family going? How are the yeah, kids? Sit, settled back in. They're like, oh, you know, it's Villa Sheffield. Yeah, it's it's going to be Sheffield. a dull first half. We'll check in at halftime, see if it spices up. There probably wasn't anyone in the booth. Yeah. That's all I can, that's all I can chalk it up for. Yeah. Well, also it's funny, like the eight cameras that Hawkeye has, um, what what about the photo that immediately circulated around Twitter? You know, like of the ball clearly over the line. Like, it, I, I find it hard to believe there's no angle, right, on that. Yeah, it, it must be that. Yeah, Hawkeye like has all of the angles right on the goal line, but this one was so egregious that you know cameras that weren't on the goal line were able to show you that it was across the line. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'd also be curious now that it's happened for the first time. What the instruction is to uh, the assistant or Michael Oliver? You know, I what what is what is the assistant? Is the assistant meant to keep his flag down and just let Hawkeye take care of it? Because no. you have to think. I don't think so. I think we have so yeah. many preventative stop gaps in there. Like Hawkeye is supposed to prevent AR fate, like human error on the linesman, and VAR is supposed to prevent any additional error from Hawkeye. If that were ever to be a case, which it now clearly is, and they just bungled it. <laughs> it, it. That's like yeah, I mean, three just... layers of stop gaps. VAR, what was it, 40 minutes into the the Project Restart, mid-season form, didn't skip a beat. Did not skip a beat. They hit the ground running. And I, I, I couldn't help but notice, I don't think there was any statement from VAR. They're like, we're going to let them take the heat on this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I I wonder, like, what the purview of each of these things is. Like, I really do. I wonder if, VAR, if they told VAR, it's like, hey, you're screwing everything else up. Just don't even think about goal line. Like, just focus on everything else. And... You know who knows, and and it's one of those things. I love that you how do it's like focus on everything else. Like there was multiple things happening in that instance that they had to focus on. It's like, it's, oh no, I'm watching the um, I'm watching the defensive line in case a, a through ball breaks out and I've got to call an offsides. <laughs> there was I can't I can't imagine, really can't imagine what they were um, what they were doing in there. But you know, it's um, more of the same, more of the yeah. same with and VAR. Damn, are we back? That it was a nice it was a nice settling moment. Like okay, like we're we're back. Nothing's changed. We're back with Premier League football. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move it on. What did you think about the empty stadiums? Did you watch the the stream with crowd noise or no crowd noise? Um, curious, curious how you absorbed your footy this weekend. I watched um, with crowd noise just because I can't be bothered to go online. Like I've got the TV for a reason. So I'm going to watch it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the crowd noise was ridiculous. I think the first game, they didn't even have reactive crowd noise. That was something they put in after the fact. <laughs> which is just weird because it's just like this low hum and then, uh, you know, a shot fired on goal and just no reaction. And now they're doing the reactions, but uh, they're so on the nose and they're like three seconds behind. The delay! I was going to comment on the fucking time delay. It's like someone over in New Zealand getting the uh, getting the feed, and he's just yeah. trying to like Avicii the the FIFA crowd noises. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's just because of Arsenal stumbling out of the blocks that I feel this way, but it just doesn't feel like 
high stakes football yet. It really doesn't to me. It just feels like like glorified friendlies, but obviously it's not. And I think that the empty stadiums and the weird crowd noise is just kind of reducing for me uh, the stakes. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some specific games, but uh, there's it just there, there's a lack of energy, and I mean that's that's not that shouldn't be a mind blowing discovery, no, but it's I, something that we're obviously accustomed to. I couldn't agree more. I feel like fans and players are a symbiotic relationship, and I think. I don't think players are just blowing gas when they say how important the fans are. I think it helps. Fans help players enjoy the game, and it reminds them why they love playing the game. And um, I could not agree more. Like, you you see, maybe it's just a first-week anomaly, but the pace at which the games are played and, I don't know, the celebrations or lack thereof um, that seem to be taking place, it, it... it's a strange affair, and don't get me wrong, I'm happy to have the game back, and I do think we're just one week in, maybe analyzing a little too early, but um, it's undoubtedly strange without the crowd. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a week in, but we're also five weeks to go, which is the strange thing. that the It's just going to be kind of who's quickest off the mark, where you don't have that 38-game levelizer the way that you mm-hmm. do when you know somebody comes out firing in in august september and they might they might kind of crash back to earth finish mid table uh, now if you come out firing all on all cylinders through the, like the first five match weeks you could, could significantly change how you finish in the table uh, which is not the case obviously at the beginning of the season so it's a yeah I, i'm having a tough time i, I agree like kind of yeah, it's not like the playing field has changed you know all right. the points count the same it's right. um I think it's just hard to get back into it after having so much time off. And we forget with social distancing, it's not like these players could train for days and months on end in the lead-up. There was a very specific time where they could start training again as a full team. And you probably go from light training to more intense training. And it's like how much have these players actually been able to play together since coming in? Not a mm-hmm. lot. And it shows. Yeah, yeah. and training and it is shows. definitely different too. So... Uh, but yeah, this is this is the types of things that we see. There's reasons that they have the full, um, you know, the full, you know, worldwide tours where they're training and they're playing mm-hmm. teams that are already in mid-season form. You know, a month before they have to start the Premier League, so that they can play match week one with a little with some legs underneath them. Uh, yeah. they, there was a couple closed door friendlies, but yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't replicate the same. So it's oh yeah, it was it's gonna take some getting like, used to, and um, then it's gonna be over. Yeah, it was like it was like United playing the Malaysia All Star team like they normally do in July, just with the with the stakes being at an all time high. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, let's get into the games then. Uh, we're taping this on Sunday, the twenty first. It'll come out on the twenty third, and we just finished watching the Merseyside Derby, which was one of the most bizarre games, all things considered. Like we just talked about, like the lack of crowd noise. Um, in a, in a nil-nil draw between Liverpool and Everton. And I'm trying to pick out things to talk about there. I think an unsavory element of it was Milner pulling up with a hamstring. You mm-hmm. know, when we talk about what this restart effect has on unconditioned players. And Milner's, like, one of the fit- of, Milner's yeah. like an example of fitness. You know, right. he's a beacon of, like, longevity in the game. And he pulled up with a hamstring. Um, it, not a whole lot to take away from that other than Mike Dean's beard. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was on on the Milner point. I wasn't obviously not 
you know, um, you know, happy at all or anything like that that sure. it happened to him. Yeah. But I think it proves a point that this isn't about you know some people being in shape or out of shape, going from sitting on a couch or training by yourself to playing a full Premier League game. You're going to get more injuries. We saw a lot of injuries um, in just what maybe like. 14, 14 matches, maybe something like that. I don't know. Right. But, yeah. uh, it's going to continue to happen. But for the, the – I mean, I haven't seen every Merseyside derby, uh, but I have to imagine this was the worst. It was – Well, I, 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 almost, I almost changed the channel um, just to change it. Didn't even look at the guide. I almost just changed it. Just it to was, go it one up. To just like to go somewhere VH1 else. classics. It was, it, was, it was hard to watch. It didn't just feel like a derby. Uh, it, it just – and if if Liverpool weren't twenty three points clear, I'd say they might have something to worry about on you know Project Restart. But you know, obviously, it's all it's all just right. Just you a almost, formality at this point. And you know, hopefully, this isn't showing too much bias. But as as a neutral fan, I I wonder if it would be more exciting if the title race was still in question. You know, when this all kicked back off. Right right now, it's just like the. Everyone tripped up at the finish line, and we have to go through the motion. At least for the title, as far as the title race is concerned, we have to go through the motion of closing it out. Um, yeah. So I think the most exciting games from here on out, counterintuitively, are going to be the relegation games. Like those yeah, are going to be that, the ones to watch. Yeah, that and the um, the battle for the European places, which is which is heating up quite 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 spectacularly, I'd say. Um, obviously, with a huge question mark around City's suspension. I mean, the difference between fourth and fifth, um, as it usually means the difference in Champions League football, still could. So Mm -hmm. the battle for fourth is still alive. The battle Mm -hmm. for fifth is now live. And now does it become a battle for seventh or maybe even eighth to get into the Europa League? And there's a lot of teams hanging in around there. Uh, But the relegation battle is another one. I was was taking some joy in that because the – those games are – they're usually scrappier games and we're just getting a scrappier version of football right now. Yeah, uh, so it's it's going to be fun to watch, and, and and these teams that usually rely on getting a few crucial points at home don't have that same push that uh, they did, you know, they would have normally. So I wonder if it's going to be just kind of just this uh, this battle where, where where teams are really struggling for points, and you know that you know maybe even like thirty three points, which is I think six points clear right now, gets you in, or I, I don't know what the what the numbers end up being, but I could see the teams at the bottom of the table. You know, really struggling. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, to take one example, playing at the London Stadium in West Ham's case was, you know, they've been struggling a lot with crowd atmosphere um, even before quarantine. But now, I mean, bringing it back, you want some semblance of home field advantage. And Wolves came in and, you know, made the right changes and just rolled them over. And I mm-hmm. am, I'm here, like like we talked about, I'm here for that relegation battle. Because West yeah. Ham's in trouble now. Yeah, um, and, and, and similar thing too on on, um, on Ashton Villa. Ashton Villa played a, um, a 0-0 draw to Sheffield United. You got to think with the fans there, maybe they got a better shot. And they were up 1-0 to Chelsea. You mm-hmm. know, who, who knows how the, the Chelsea team responds if, if the fans are really backing them to the hills there. So right. it's it's going to really, I think, disproportionately affect the bottom of the table. That's just my my instinct after watching right. the, and the I, first I, games. I imagine, I don't remember the exact case for why these weren't, you know, like Disneyland NBA scenario, like why these games weren't all played in one place. And I 
my guess is because owners of these clubs and, and the kind of committee of all these owners came together and said, no, we want to keep home field advantage because it's super important for these last eight, nine games. But to what extent is it actually making a difference? Right. And that'll right. be something interesting to monitor as we go past week one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, the other marquee game that we don't want, I don't want to spend too much time on, and I have segmented out Arsenal for for its own subsection of the pod. So don't you worry, fans and Patrick. Don't you worry. Did you? For, for what reason? Oh, Arsenal? Yeah. It's, we don't usually talk about mid-table teams on the on the pod. I know, we don't usually, but this is just such a spectacular return. Um, mm. I think Arsenal is like the prize fighter who's who's come back and swung a couple haymakers that didn't connect. So we're, we're going to take some time to talk about them. But first, right. curious to get your take uh, on Spurs United as a non-supporter. I thought it was a um, a very a very Mourinho game. We were texting during it, and you said as much. Uh, but it was a I, I don't I don't quite want to call it a tactical masterclass because they didn't get the three points. I think if you play uh, the way Mourinho likes to play, in order to call it a tactical masterclass, you have to get the full the full allotment of points. Um, but I thought I thought Tottenham uh, were were very good, very disciplined. Say what you will about Harry Maguire, uh, Bergwin is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention to him before, uh, but he is he is class. That mm-hmm. that is a that is a signing for Spurs. Yeah. Uh, if you have him in a healthy Hingman Son and Harry Kane, uh, if you can get a, a proper number ten in to replace Erickson, all of a sudden you got a really really threatening, uh, you know, attack. Uh, interesting selections there, I think from. Uh, for both sides a bit, um, for for Spurs leaving both Vertonghen and Alderweireld on the bench were the ones that stood right. out to me. Right, um, it's a classic Mourinho vendetta. Like there's always right. got to be some collateral, and I guess it's those it's, two guys. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then uh, from United United's perspective, um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's a weird game because I think you get a lot of um, a lot of positive. I mean, I would I would feel very good about just the direction United is going. Just watching Bruno Fernandez, that yeah. his ambition in the midfield, his ability to push the pace, his ability to break down a team who is sitting back, a talented team that is sitting back with a manager who is known for doing it. I I was just very impressed with Bruno. Um, flashes of brilliance from Pogba as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was probably a fair result in the end. I wouldn't. It was, it was a tense enough game, so it was very different, I think, from the Merseyside Derby, where the game was completely without tension. I thought mm-hmm. the Merseyside Derby yeah. and Spurs and United—I wouldn't call it a good game—but uh, I was, I was, I was properly locked in uh, yeah. for, the, for the full ninety. There was some impetus. I did have a little bit of a cuss out of the water break, which I feel like isn't entirely necessary. Um, just, just because we were having a go at like the sixty-minute onwards mark, and then I guess the water break comes in at sixty-five or whatever the exact minute is just to really break up momentum. You get that, you get that official timeout. But um, yeah, no, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head just to comment from Spurs's end. I think Mourinho tried to United United and set up defensively and hit on the break. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit of like the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like who's what, who's doing what in this game. So they gave United the ball and, you know, Bergwijn punished a, uh, 
an, an, an out-of-match fitness Maguire and an out-of-match fitness De Gea, although it's kind of the story of De Gea's season. Um, you know, punished with a class move there. And then I think you hit the nail on the head with Bruno. Like, I think all we need to say here is imagine if it was Lingard or Pereira instead of Bruno in that match. We're not getting anything from that game. No. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think the impetus for everything was Bruno. Right. And, then and he's not comes afraid to have and, a crack from fucking God knows where. And right, they're usually pretty close. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. He's absolute yeah. class. From all over. So I think, yeah, you saw the promise in the Bruno-Pogba partnership. And uh, everyone else, I'd say, was off the pace, which gives me, rather than being upset about being off the pace in that game, I know things are only going to get better as we as we play more games. You know, Rashford, Martial, um, Dan James, whatever. You know, it, it, we're just going to kind of come back into it. So, yeah, I think positives to take from that. Uh, Roy Keane... This is kind of my men of culture up here. I don't know if you saw that man going off on the booth. He has no. not chilled out over quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it's almost had the opposite effect, where he's just been stewing on some takes. Like just to, It just seems like there's a hatred of De Gea that he was waiting to get back out there onto the airwaves, and he took his shot. I think that he just has... He, he just needs to kind of dispel his body of hatred. When he was playing, it was in the form of the studs. Now that he's in the booth... It's just whatever mm-hmm. is the opposite of what Jamie Carragher has to say. And I, I didn't hear what he said, but I he, uh, thoroughly yeah. love the pundit. I'm paraphrasing here, but he told De Gea to not get on the team bus back to Manchester. <laughs> I mean, he, said, I, a, he said, I think there are some cabs available in London. Yeah, I mean, I th- I mean maybe to make the point, but... And that was at <laughs> halftime. And then he took cool. it back at full time. He said, okay, maybe he can sit on the bus. Maybe at the back of the bus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What did he do in the second half to earn the flip? Was it just that the, the tie got turned? I think he literally just cooled down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I love Roy Keane. He's great. Yeah, De Gea in a nutshell this season was obviously the... the it was I wouldn't call it a howler, but, you know, a mistake that led to Bergwijn's goal and then a class save against Son. And it's a little bit of that Jekyll and Hyde situation. But, um, yeah, Roy Keane, you know... Love him as a player. Interesting pundit. Um, But let's move along to the main course. Mm. We've danced around it for long enough. We've dipped our hands in that little lemon water soup they give you at the beginning. But the filet mignon is here. Arsenal Football Club is back in a big way. And Patrick, let's start with the Brighton game. Because it's most recent. It's fresh in our minds. Walk me through what happened with the Leno mope collision and injury. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's all that complicated. I mean, I think um, okay. Mope knew what he was doing. I don't think he intended to injure Burnt Leno. I don't sure. think. I think any calls for a red card are ridiculous. Um, I think he 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 jumped, knowing he wasn't going to make the ball. Saw Leno's momentum, tried to nudge him out of the box and get a free kick. Um, think it was unnecessary, and it's one of those that. Um, you know, you're just like, oh, look at that little shit if Leno doesn't twist his knee. And you don't think about it again. But the consequences probably are, are pretty severe. And, you know, I think from a from an Arsenal perspective, it's, you, you know, you don't you don't have a whole lot to hang on to this season. You know, I think that there's really three people that you look to. It is Leno, yeah. It's, it's Leno, Aubameyang, and Saka for me are the three people that I say, great season, lads. You know, and that's it. 
and that's the end of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously from the from the city game, you know, Leno. I'm glad that I'm glad that he had that game in a sense because he was just being pelted, and he was coming up time after time and time again. And the, the, the cruel right. irony, obviously, in this game is I think that the um, I think Leno Leno keeps a clean sheet at, at, the, at those two opportunities. I think it's telling that people were talking Martinez. about people were talking about Leno's heroics in the city game, and they lost three 0 no, I mean I'm not. I'm not trying to be a. Um, no, I'm agree. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying I think it's pretty telling of his performance when he. Oh sure. Y- yeah. of, of the saves he made outside of those three goals. Yeah, I mean, the, just the how it's been, been way worse. Keepers are often hung out to dry, and I think that you know Leno has Leno has earned a whole ton of respect and, and and praise within the Arsenal fandom, and I think he deserves a lot more outside of that. Uh, unfortunate for him, I don't know the status of the injury, but just given the. Uh, both his reaction on the field between the whales and him kind of confronting Mape, then him leaving on crutches. I'm hopeful that he'll be, you know, back back with the team to to start next season. But you know, I fear it's it's going to be much longer than that. And you know, when you just look at the big picture of it, it's it's difficult to imagine Arsenal spending any sort of money to replace Leno. So. Uh, or to, to 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 kind of like combat that right. year, so right. it might be the Emmy Martinez show next year, mm-hmm. which will be that'll be fun. Uh, Long but no, live the, incident, the king. <laughs> the incident itself, I think it's just a you know, um, mm-hmm. it's it's wouldn't a wouldn't a clean play. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, I don't think there's intent to harm. No, it no, was, it was just know? one of those. It was just one of those little shit moves that had unintended serious consequences. Right, right. Um, and let me ask this of you, because obviously some players and Leno himself did not take kindly to the incident at all. I know Arteta's kind of spoken otherwise with the same exact point of view as you've had, but some players really didn't take well to it at all. And from an outside perspective, I think I speak for the collective community when I say Ganduzi's just an absolute piece of work. I'm wondering what an insider Arsenal fan's take would be on the way he kind of drummed up the the fracas and the controversy controversy at the end. Yeah, I don't have really much issue with um, with with Ganduzi uh, as a whole. I mean, I think his actions are you know a bit regrettable, and it's a bit um, you know, I think it kind of speaks to a larger issue um, with Arsenal, which is a lack of accountability. You know, I think for, from my perspective, what Ganduzi did was about. 60 minutes too late where's where's the where's the where's the leadership on arsenal where's one person on arsenal getting in mape's face right after the injury people just went over yeah. and talked to him and like what are you doing with your keeper yelling on the ground you know I, the person I who did it was the it. person who did it was leno <laughs> right 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 and, and and so when you look at when you look at leaders like who's I mean, bellerin's wearing the armband kolasinac you know he's shown Jesus, his ability to defend his teammates before um Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, back up a second. Obama Young's your captain. That's right. He was wearing the. Yeah, well, Obama Young. That's the point, right? Right. He's not a leader. He's not a person that you look to. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Yeah, he's 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 a great guy, but and so for for me, I like where I like where Ganduzi's head is. I don't, or I like where Ganduzi's heart is. I don't like where his head is. And for me, that comes down to leadership because he has passion. He cares about the club. And he clearly wears his emotions on his on his on his sleeve. But who does he look up to? Who is who is his yeah. example for 
how yeah. to corral that and how to you know bring how to that express out in the best it on the way. field right and 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 you know if if arsenal like i don't really know what um cuz it seems like the whole mape thing is you know he's a um you know he commi- he 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 sent the keeper out obviously you're going to be upset about that and then arsenal was chatting shit all game and then he scored and right you know, a silencer. like a pretty nice pretty nice move at the end but you know Brayton didn't have like I mean when he was saying they got what they deserved like I mean Brayton didn't have the run of play in that game I thought a draw was probably a fair result just because Arsenal's shit but the it kind of it kind of just speaks to me about what teams think about Arsenal like Troy Deeney would say you know I just I just I just leave a leave a foot in a little extra because you know you do that a few times and you know Arsenal's not up for it and I think teams know just Arsenal is a team that you can you can rile up well, I think, and, yeah, and I think the point I was trying to make with Ganduzi is, like, he's the kid on the school ground who will just taunt you and chat shit, and then when you, like, try to square up, they go and find the teacher. Like, that to me oh, seems I disagree like with Arsenal. That. I disagree with that entirely on Ganduzi. Um, I think Ganduzi wanted the smoke. Moppy didn't want the smoke. Moppy went down twice at, I mean, no, no, I no, think no, Ganduzi no. should I, get I think a you're, I think you're taking it a little too literally. I'm talking about the fight in the game. Like, Arsenal's going to, like, taunt... So, I guess they were taunting Malpe the whole time and just trying to get in his head, but they weren't thinking about the game. They were thinking about the incident. It's like, why don't you put that drive into the game? Or if you're thinking about the incident, why why is your cleats not in his fucking Achilles when he's receiving the ball? Like, why sure. aren't you giving I him mean, We We did just talk beating. about Roy Keane. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, there was... So, there was, there was three signs in this... There were three players outside of Burnt Leno... Who by my because I was I was looking for it I was looking for that because because we've talked about it what I'm hoping for with with Arsenal is a change in culture a change yeah. in identity I don't think that I mean I think that their midfield and their defense leave plenty of questions to be asked talent wise but I don't think like overall talent and ability is the biggest flaw with Arsenal I really don't uh, and and for uh, so so Lacazette. Um, Got stuck in on Matt Ryan, completely unnecessary. Got a yellow, but I I was there for that. You know, Matt Ryan was he just got the ball played back and was playing it out. Lacazette slid and you know took his follow throughout, took his yellow and got on with it. And I was like, all right, fair play to you. Rob Holding uh, just barreled through, knee in the back of Mape at one time, and then Ganduzi's action at the end of the game. Those are the three incidences incidents of people who cared in the entire game. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I counted. And none of which impacted the game as a whole. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we don't need to go into the, the diatribe about how Arsenal is set up tactically, unless, you, unless you'd like to. But they're just, stylistically, they're just an easy team to beat. And from a mentality-wise, they're an easy team to break. And yeah, no, I... It's, um, it's, it's, difficult, to, it's difficult to watch, just knowing, knowing where the game's going to go. Yeah. No, we don't need to get into that. I think what you articulated that I would from an outside perspective agree with is that talent isn't your biggest problem. You know, I think long gone are the days where Arsenal's realistically challenging for a title. If that was your expectations, then talent I think would be a problem, but you're certainly mm-hmm. not a 10th on talent. You're not a 10th place side. Like that's an absolute travesty and sure. it, it reveals where the problems are and how much of a job Arteta has on his hands. And I think he's starting to realize that if he didn't already, he's like, Oh, I got a job on my hands. Um, but on the players and on the talent and, and the difference makers you want on the field, you mentioned three players who can hang their heads up high this season, Leno, Aubameyang, and Saka, who Saka, I agree, is, is looking a pretty exciting player. Um, let's talk Play about some players. Mid. 
playing freaking center mid now. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Stick him in net. He's got hands. Kid's I mean, got at this hands. point, right? Let's talk about players who weren't on the field. And, you know, it's way too early to criticize Arteta. However, I'm curious, why no Martinelli in this game? And let's not even talk so, about Ozil. Like, why yeah. no Martinelli? Martinelli is an interesting one. Um, I think Martinelli, for better or worse, um, is just slotted behind Aubameyang. I think that he's he's shown that he's relatively wasted on the right, uh, and Arteta seems content to rotate and catch and Lacazette as a as a center forward partnership, despite um, the fact they can't seem to score goals. Uh, I think Lacazette's gone like sixteen or seventeen hours without an away goal Oof. of field time. Not game time, field time. 16 hours or something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then Ketch is just not there yet. But, I mean, I, I think that uh, I think that on the left, Martinelli's the third choice behind Aubameyang and Saka. If it were up to me, I would rotate Saka and Martinelli on the left and play Aubameyang through the middle. Sure. And, you know, Pepe or Nelson, whoever you feel like on the right. Uh, and then have Lacazette do what he should be doing, which is coming off the bench the way he's yeah. been playing. Yeah, you've uh, got... But, yeah, yeah that's... That's my opinion, but I, I, I really don't draw any. As long as everything is being done, at least under the guise of we're going to do things a certain type of way, I back Arteta a hundred percent. And he came out as much, and he said specifically for Ozil that Ozil didn't come back ready to play at the level that Arteta wanted him to play at, mm-hmm. and. If that's the if that's the case, I stand behind Arteta 100. Sure, and yeah. he might not be willing to say that about a Martinelli um, just due to his age or uh, just you know, there might be certain things that you can and can't say in the media depending on the player's profile. So I'm going to go lead with the benefit of the doubt, but it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I guess the thing is, everyone says like, okay, Arteta, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a journey. I don't think people realize how big of a journey this is, and. Uh, the I think is, they're starting I'm, to. <laughs> I'm okay with the journey. Like, I really am. But the journey is a painful one. The journey is one that's not without Champions League football. The journey is without Euro, Euro, potentially without European football. Mm-hmm. And if the journey is without European football, then the journey is without Aubameyang. And it's a, without Xhaka. It's without Torreira. It's without Lacazette. Because by the time you get back to a place where you can compete for a title... Those guys are going to be in their 30s. It's a new generation of players. <laughs> you have to invest in the young people. And so, for me, I have no issues with him bringing in Willock over Ozil. Because if he's saying, holy shit, I got five years worth of work to do and I need yeah. everyone to be all in, Yeah, Ozil's going to be in 35 and, and even more apathetic. So, by all means. I, I And, and I, I don't know what that says about this particular season. I don't know what it says about seasons coming up. I don't think Arteta's doing anything... Not to win, but I think he is prioritizing a culture and a mentality over quality. And you know, if that's not the case, then 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 I'll stand corrected at a later date. But I'll, I, I back him 100 percent on that. Sure. As far as his like in-game management and his team selection, he's a rookie manager, so it's gonna it's gonna get messed up. He certainly didn't choose this team. I'm not even I'm not even considering Arteta's decision making to be a an issue until until the beginning of next season when he's at least had a window mm-hmm. under his belt. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And to maybe put a fine point on this conversation, you talk about the painful journey, and I would point at Ollie at United. Um, obviously, this season has not been without pain. People, Burnley in December, people were calling very unsavorily for uh, the Glazers' head. 
and people were doubting Ollie big time. But I think you look at it in totality and you you acknowledge that work is being done both behind the scenes and on the field and with the youth development. And I think that's, you know, what you would – the direction that you guys know you need to start moving in a club as well. And I'm not saying United's there by any means. But it's yeah, acknowledging you're, you're that on a, on a – with not without pain, but you see the vision of the club, which is reassuring. The road's been paved. Exactly. For United. Exactly. Um, you know, Arsenal's just, just hired the contractor. Yeah. And, and you got a whole bunch of people standing in the way. And some of those people are supposed to be running with you. Arsenal it's, does not have a be... permit for the site. No. I mean, we can we can continue this analogy as far as you'd like. But it is... <laughs> it's a disaster over there. But I, I, I think... It, it's, it's not like it's, not like it's uh, without the ability to be reconciled. But I do think that Arsenal need... Like, I don't know who Arsenal's captain is. I don't know who Arsenal's on-field leader is. And I don't even know if I've known who that is in my duration of being an Arsenal fan. I really don't. I don't think that Arsenal has somebody that you can just rally behind or get stuck in. And right. it shows. I mean, you, you said it a couple of years ago when, when you, they, that they were a Sergio Ramos away from being a title contender. Or just, they yeah, just like needed a bit of grit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I've always liked Ramos. Because Sevilla was my first my first favorite team, right. and he oh, played yeah. for Sevilla for a year before I went to Madrid. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's easy to draw drastic conclusions from the one week back of Project Restart, but it's, you know, it, it is now the famous, infamous phrase, same old Arsenal, but hopefully we see some good signs, f- um, you know, for your sake, not for content's sake. This is great for content. Um towards the end of the season. But let's move it along. Patrick, let's hear from the fans. We got a couple good soccer-related ask-me-anything questions from the fans. I and would uh, suspect Will Jones isn't on this list of questions. No, when I told Will it had to be about soccer, he went he went pretty quiet. Mm, uh, understood. Regrettable, regrettable. But these are from, from known prem heads. Um, so let's start with one from Carl. Oh, Carl. And Yeah, yeah, you know Carl. Chelsea Carl. I like Carl. Yeah, yeah. So here's his question. Uh, Dear Patrick and James, first off, huge fan. And you guys are the best. Um, No, I'm just making all of that up. Here's his question. Are we set for the next big era of the best players in the world playing in the Premier League again? Man U and Chelsea have cash. Liverpool has curb appeal again. And City have pep. Also, Barca, Barca and Real have run out of cash. I don't know how he knows that. Uh, while PSG <laughs> inside source while PSG frets over financial fair play rules um, so that's the question are we set for the Premier League dominating again in terms of the best players in the world yeah. or the best teams in the world technically the question is are we set for the next big era of players playing in the Premier League I the mean it players. feels it feels that way doesn't it it feels it feels as though Bundesliga for better or worse, is just kind of a talent factory that either gets exported or goes to Bayern. Mm-hmm. So from a league perspective, I have trouble saying that that's the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Spain will eventually lose Messi. So I, I, I just find it hard to believe that Barca and Real won't always be top 10 teams in the world. Uh, and they won't always have sexy players at Real. But I guess who's their sexiest player right now? Right. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's no. fair, fair enough. Well, I'd expect them to do that. Well, also, while PSG frets over for financial uh, fair play, 
Um, that is just doesn't exist this summer. So everyone's been given a year reprieve from financial fair play. Jailbreak. Yeah. So anyone can do anything without fear, which you, from Carl, Carl should understand that that means Chelsea is going to go nuts. Um, Chelsea would do that even when it wasn't allowed. So I can only imagine they're really going to go, they're really going to get after it here. There's no it also, masking it. Doesn't it feel like a little strange to suspend City for financial fair play violations while you're waiving them for the same year? Like it, it just in any case, um, yeah, you got to put, you got to put it in a chronology, you know? Yes. Yeah, this is in the past. I'm just saying that that would be the case I would make if I was City's lawyer. Uh, and if they're not making it, I am available for yeah, hire. Yeah, I'm sure they're not the best lawyers in the country. <laughs> yeah, there's some fun, exciting players in, in on, on long-term contracts in in, uh, in the league. Maybe he's just thinking about Chelsea, but um, yeah, I mean, I think United yeah, is probably still I, two or three players away. Whether those are people that grow into those roles, like Marcus Rashford uh, or, or Bruno Fernandez, how great can they become? Um, Chelsea have bought some players, but still, those players I wouldn't. Wouldn't say best in the world um, quite yet, but the 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 stage is set. I, I would say the stage is definitely set. You have to wonder with the competition being brought in by um, some of these folks that might not have that same cash. And looking at a, a Leicester or a Wolves, um, you know, even Crystal Palace is is a team that's been kind of knocking at the the, the European places this year. Maybe they'll take another step forward next year. Um, those teams could displace some of those teams that have currently relied on that European money. So you, you don't know how it'll unfold, but of any league, yeah, I'd say Premier League's up next. Yeah, and what I would say here is I don't think it has so much to do with cash and like money available to clubs because I think to a certain extent that's kind of a constant. You know, Man United is never without cash. Chelsea's never never without cash. And again, I don't know what Carl's sources are, but. Barca and Real, I don't. I feel like Real's money just is the Spanish government money. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly when they run out of cash. I think to me it's more cyclical with how you see clubs performing in Europe, and I think that determines whether or not they bring in the best players. So I agree. I think they are poised for it. Um, Spurs and Liverpool were the two English finalists in the Champions League last season. Liverpool could claim best can byproduct of winning claim best club in europe if not the world and the last time that they also happened, won the the world right yeah world right club. so they can claim best club in the world and the last time that happened was i think united and chelsea in in 2008 when people were saying the best players and the best teams in the world were in england so i think it's a cyclical mm-hmm. thing i think my caveat here is i don't think there's ever going to be a world where you have a player like Hazard or, in 2009, a player like Ronaldo at United and Madrid or Barca come calling and they don't feel that lore. I don't think players outside of England have an affinity to English clubs um, the way we expect them to, whereas all these European players have a, have an affinity to these staple clubs, Barca, Real, and maybe Bayern. Yeah. Um, I think that... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 that was that was pretty much it. That's my take. <laughs> I, I was I was going to say that I think that the Premier League is a, um, it's it's a it's an area that people can elevate their status. So it's an area where people who can, you know, um, you know, make a jump from, um, you know, 
Ajax or, yeah. uh, you know, Turkish League or Ukraine. They can take a jump from, like, the best team in one of those leagues and they can go to even a mid-table side in the Premier League. And if you play well in the Premier League, your your, your value and your, your options are wide open. Yeah. So, for me, the Premier League is kind of, like, the biggest stage on which to shine. It's the testing ground. And right. I think... I, yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that other leagues give you that. But I entirely agree. I think that um, for for non-English players, there will almost always be a bigger club than even United, who I think is agree. the biggest kind of like international draw, um, you know, for for for, for, for transfers or, or even Chelsea. Chelsea and United kind of kind of go back and forth in that. They both land some pretty high-profile transfers. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, Madrid it's like and um, Barca are just they're they're in their own tier. And then, you know, Juve is is in its own tier for for some people that want to play either the Italian style or the Italian league. Uh, in Bayern, I mean, where are they going? You know, they're they get slept on because they dominate so much, right? But right. they're unquestionably one of the best teams in the in in the world. And I think if you take like a blended average of like the last decade, I would say Bayern's been the best team of the decade. Ooh, hot take. Is it actually no Madrid? Probably they won like five Champions Leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, were like five Champions Leagues. Um, no, I think that's well said. I think that's well said. Let's move it along. This one's from Kiki Terry. Mm. What's up, Kiki? Thanks for chiming in. And Patrick, this one's for you. I'm not even going to touch on this one. Uh, oh, if Ramsey joins Spurs, Aaron Ramsey joins Spurs on loan or permanently from Juve, what will be the biggest dagger to Arsenal fans? That or Van Persie to United? Or Cess to Chelsea. And then I went ahead and just added in two more. Uh, Adebayor to, Ch- uh, to Spurs or Ashley Cole to Chelsea. Oh, interesting. Uh, Adebayor to Spurs, I think it always is just a wound just because of how Adebayor behaved. But I, mean, I don't even one, think that one was a direct move. I think he went to City, did the whole celebrate in front of Arsenal fans, run the length of the pitch to do it, and then went to yeah, Spurs. Yeah, Adebayor was just his own his own type of dude. Um, played, he, he played for like 10 teams, I feel like, in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he also just clapped back on Twitter about people giving him shit for why he's not donating to like African foundations. He's like he's like the opposite of Akon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's for the conspiracy pod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ashley Cole to Chelsea's a that one. I mean, that one's kind of a thematic one. I don't know if that one's like the one that you know kind of kicks it all off, right? But it's it's one that 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 you know many people have said that there's kind of like a complacency with not contending for the title, or uh, you know people don't care about winning as much at Arsenal. Uh, Ashley Cole is interesting because he was part of the Invincibles, so he's certainly part of a culture that did. So I don't that know if you lump him into yeah. that. Um, Ramsey going to Spurs. I mean, I can't imagine that's even rumored. But if it is, yeah, that would hurt, especially just given well, the fact that Ramsey was driven out. I think it is. I think deal. it is rumored. I don't know how seriously, mm. but yeah, I would be surprised if Ramsey did it. But you never know because this is it's we we as fans tend to think about football in this perspective of uh, you know he played for Arsenal for ten years. You know, he says, this is my house when he scores at White Hart Lane. You know, all this kind of stuff. And you think, well, how could he ever put on that jersey? But the other side of it is he's got... Well, he meant that quite literally. He was telling Spurs he's coming. Oh, yeah. This is my house. Uh, I'll see you in a sec. Yeah, the the other side of it is this is is a, a Welshman with three young kids and a wife who living in, 
living in Turin, Italy, that might not be a place for them. Might want to go back <laughs> to London. And if there's no place for them there, you know, who's you know, is, is there a place for him at Chelsea? Is there like if that's if that's part of what his family and his his like outside of football wants to do is wants to live in right. London? What are his options? So I mean, that would that would sting quite a bit. But for me, I think it's always going to be. Um, it's always going to be Van Persie United because mm. Van Persie United was. Yeah, it was one yeah, that tell me. he. I mean, he's now starting to walk it back. Um, he's now saying his because because now he's realizing that no one actually loves him, uh, <laughs> and he's trying to find a home. I but could not he, agree more. Okay, he's he's now <laughs> saying Arsenal never offered me a contract. Um, though he went to the media and said he would not sign a oh, new did contract. Did I say agree? I mean disagree. United loves Van Percy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course you do. Um, but no, he went and I believe immediately won the Golden Boot and the title um, at United the year after. <laughs> Immediate um, payoff. <laughs> yeah, and was not shy about the reasons why he left. So, I mean, I don't have I don't have a distaste for Van Percy the way that many Arsenal fans do. Um my only issues with Cesc is that he's trying to like rewrite the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I don't really have an issue with him because he wanted to go to Barcelona. And then when he came back, Arsenal was in this other, like, they were doing another one of their little, you know, what they call negotiating, what everyone else calls not paying people their worth. And Cesc was like, all right, I'll just go to Chelsea. Um, so Van, Van Persie was, I think, the most direct shot. And it was it was like we talked about earlier. I think that players ambitions don't line up with Arsenal's ambitions kind of as like a culture uh, and obviously the fans don't line up with that that culture as well uh, and so I think that it kind of creates this complex at Arsenal where you know you think you deserve more than mm-hmm. you actually do and mm-hmm. your players are better than they are and that their players walk on water and that's why I'm fully back in Arteta just to if he tells me if if he told if he told me the whole the whole batch is rotten, we got to get rid of them all for the culture. I'd be like, that's that's wild, but let's, let's do, do it. Do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Van Persie, Ramsey to Spurs, that would that would that would sting quite a bit. I think it will always sting differently when they go to Spurs. Adebayor doesn't really sting though. It always hits uh, but, considerably different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ask a Spurs fan what their worst transfer out was. I'm sure it'll be Sol Campbell. Mm. You know, I, I just it's I think it, going directly to. Um, and for me, going one year somewhere and then elsewhere, which mm-hmm. is what Ramsey would do. Yeah, that would that would be up there. Honestly, yeah. it would. Especially since I think Spurs are on a better track right now. And especially if he fills that number 10 that I just talked about. That would be brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys are fighting it out. Eighth and, ni- eighth and tenth place. It's a, it's a tightly contested North London right now. Yeah, we got one more game to, to see who's maybe gets to play in Europe or who doesn't. Bang, bang. All right. Let's move it along. Don't know much about history. Before we get into some lighter segments that you know and love, let's talk about Zonal Marking Chapter 2, Patrick, which I mm. know for a fact you read. It's 100%. Mm, page to page, cover to cover. Uh, this is the Calcio area era, ladies and gentlemen. This is Italian football, Serie A, 96-2000. And um, much like their football, I'd say this was the most negative chapter in the book. <laughs> <laughs> you said having not read the whole book. Yeah, I'm two. I'm two chapters in, and out of two, it's more negative than the Dutch. You're, You're making confident. Me, making it's going to be the yeah, worst. No, chapter. it's a sweeping. It's a sweeping statement. Um, although I'm well aware of the last chapters on England, it's just going about. It's just going to be about stealing all the other styles. 
For sure. Um, That's what I think makes Premier League the best. But yeah, exactly. In any yeah. case. It's a, it's a blend. Anyway, in any case, my takeaway from this chapter was the don't lose mentality that Italians love so much and hold sacred in their in their home country and that other nations loathe. We saw it with uh, Sarri in England when he was here with Chelsea and the fuck Sarri ball chants. Um, they touched on Fabio Capello, former England manager, when he managed Real Madrid and got chased out of there despite winning the title just for how boring his football was. And it just goes to show, the, the quote I plucked out here was um, Capello himself saying, Italian football, uh, it, to players, it's not a game. It's not fun. It, it's a job. Right. And and you see that in their um, cold their faces to winning. Yeah, in the faces, yeah. yeah. Just look at, does does Chiellini look like he's having fun? No, he looks like he's getting brain damage. Yeah. And I think that's just the Suarez bite. Continuing to eat at his, at his you know, frontal lobe as time goes on. I didn't know it was um, a brain shot. The Suarez through the shoulder. Those those chompers get you good. Yeah, they say the brain is attached to your right shoulder. Experts debate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I'm trying to pick out. Aside from, by the way, Roy Roy Hodgson coached Inter in 1997. Chew on that. Wow. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Chew on that for a second. Who has any man? Just him in a fucking Kappa tracksuit in 1997 smoking a cigarette with a cigarette holder. I can picture it. It's a great image. <laughs> um, but it worked. This, this, this primacy of winning um, worked for Juventus, which was defined as probably, according to Michael Cox, the best team from... 96 to about 98 and um one of the things they chalked it up to was was flexibility um in the way they moved their players around from i guess being able to play right back left back defensive mid sweeper um what stood out to me was just how this was in direct contrast with how stubborn managers were so it's like players need to be flexible but if you're a manager you need to come from this school of learning and get a degree from this. It was like Vampire Academy for coaches. It was called the Coversiano. Um, and you have to have a degree from this school or else you can't coach or you'll be shunned in Italy. And and um, saying my way or the highway with tactics. So it was very stubborn Italian in the inflexibility of flexibility. Yeah, it's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird juxtaposition. And a lot of that kind of... Um, you know, I think it. I'm just trying to like draw some some corollaries to some of the um, quote unquote Italian managers. I think Mourinho is a, you know, he he's got influence from all over the world, surely, just because of where he's managed. But his team at Inter, yeah, he um, fit in pretty well to Inter, <laughs> right? Fit in pretty the way well. he likes to play, right? And, and just ways that I think about it is like it's not necessarily, um, like you said, you can't put people in like a box of like you're a right back but when you are a right back here are the very few things that you can do and if you don't do a single one of them i'm going to drag you through the mud in the media and i'll put somebody who is half as talented as you but i know will do what i want them to do in that role oh, which is yeah. the shame it's culture is strong the, yeah the, the I, I guess it just it it depends on the priority 
Like, I mean, I, I, I imagine you want to have fun at any job, but if you're, like, really, really good at your job and you get a lot of accolades, you get a lot of money, but you don't love it, that's a dilemma surely many people have faced. And I don't know if that's something that people, like, from an Italian cultural perspective, do you think that's something that people, you know, have a distaste for or they enjoy it? They kind of, like, enjoy the grind because that's just kind of their cult, their, the way their culture yeah. Like attacks. Yeah. I don't know. Professions, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe they've got a very Buddhist approach where it's like life is pain and suffering and you just need mm. to like. A lot of Arsenal what? fans in Italy. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> and you just need to, yeah, you just need to drag it out, you know, um, find the beauty in all the suffering. Um, yeah. No, it was interesting. They talk about the rise of Ancelotti too. And what I meant with flexibility and and the direct hypocrisy with inflexibility is he would have his right backs and left backs switch positions to match wingers he would have players jump into a defensive midfield or or kind of pull back to make a three-man defense and then Roberto Baggio like the heralded Italian player of that era um, was in his squad that he inher- he inherited and Ancelotti plays a four four two. Baggio is a ten, and Ancelotti's just like you have no place in my team. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> just like flexible about everything, and then oh no, sorry, bro. It's it's four four two. Like we already picked teams. <laughs> sorry, man. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's it's almost hierarchical. Where um, you know you talk about the the, the the Dutch when they're talking about their individualism and get, needing players to be able to express themselves. Uh, and obviously collectivism as well, uh, but like, how do you not find a place for somebody in your team? Mm-hmm. I guess you know we 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 just talked about that with you know with Arsenal, but you you have to put at least in, in my opinion, I really align with that. You have to put the collective ahead of the whole. However, leaving Al Baggio um, because you because of a four four two is is it's just incredible. It's the like you gotta you gotta at least try him mentality, yeah, yeah. And then I think it went on to say that he did try him and it like worked. So we learned from our mistakes. <laughs> anyway, onwards. Um, let's close this out with some fun segments. We got you done now. We got a little bit of leave it, and then we'll slide into our of the weeks to close out. Ooh. Before t- before recapping Degenerate District, aka Patrick's performance review. Which will be very public. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I look forward to that as well. Yes, yes, good. Me as well. I also look forward to that as well. All right, you're done now, Patrick. This week, coming off of talking about Ancelotti in Italia, we're talking about managers. We're gonna make some declarative manager statements, and I did order mine from mild to medium to spicy. So let's dive right in. Do you want to go first? Sure. I, I also ordered mine in that way. Um, first one. Here's a mild one. Nuno Espirito Sanchez is the third best manager in the league. <laughs> it's not his name. <laughs> Isn't it? Espirito Santo. Oh. It must have been autocorrect. All right. You want to well, run? Wait, wait. Run it again. That's your 10 I don't want my, No, I don't want my clock to start. <laughs> wait, what was it? Nuno Espirito Santo is the third best manager in the league. Klopp, Pep, Santo. You take a club up from the championship and you're already just heaving for Champions League places. Done. All 
All right, we'll see what gets cut off in post. Yeah, that's that a one. wild one. It's like you have a lot of opportunity to cut that short. Mm. <laughs> will, mm. will he take it? Find out next time. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All right, here's my mild for you. Sean Deitch will manage a top six club. Yeah, I think that he brings in a, a quintessential English football, and I think that he's shown that he can win with some of that more stringent tactics. You got no had to get out of there. Yeah, you had. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. That was a 45-second argument. That's and I full stress presentation. Dipped. Yeah, you... Just um, dipped at seven seconds. You wrote the intro and then turned the three body paragraphs and conclusion into the next sentence. Yeah. Um, not my best. So if that's mild, we've got to see where this is going. All right. It blows my, my- It blows my performance last week out of the water. <laughs> okay well this one um the thing is i don't even know like because i thought like i believed i believe that nuno take or like i think it's a fair take but i thought i thought it would be like i guess like when you're forced to defend it it like really wasn't even mild it was just kind of like plain uh anyway next one i know you manager, know it's funny i actually think he could be the third best manager in the league this season <laughs> i agree like i think he's like <laughs> in <not> contention <laughs> Like, I'm not even, like, bothered to defend that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's mild. You know, it's mild. You had to come in, you had to come in soft. Okay. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you one that's a little Jesus. spicier. Okay. Uh, this is medium. An English manager will win the league in the next three years. Ah, uh, wow. All right. Well, I'm thinking about who the best manager is, and it is Eddie Howe, and he is going to move on from Bournemouth, and he'll come... You're done, done. The, the mental gymnastics you just did to not say... Lampard was winning a title is impressive. I'll give that to you. Didn't even cross my mind, Pat. Next question. <laughs> well, you're up next. <laughs> I was about. I mean, I was about to say Graham Potter at Brighton. It was a. It was a. I got to give you credit because that Let's was. Let's go through my options to, here. Nigel. It was Pearson? a trap to force you to say Lampard, yeah. and you still found a way yeah. around it. Brendan Rodgers, not English. I'm. I'm fucked. No, you're basically looking at bottom bottom half teams yeah. or Chelsea. Yeah, that's Bournemouth's getting relegated, so I, you know, there was a lot of reconciling to do there. Okay, here's my medium for you. This one might be a little close to home. Buckle in. Uh, Arteta is not doing a better job than Emery. Yeah, the players are the problem, and I think the board has not set up any managers for success. Uh, and Emery was an unfortunate casualty of of uh, the transition after. Do you believe that? Um, I believe parts of it. Because the thing is, it's not a one problem. Arsenal's not a one problem away from getting this thing fixed. Right. So that was, you know? that was think, like semi-addressed. But I like... Right, but there, yeah. there's there unresolved problems under Wenger that people expected Emery to fix. And then Emery was... I mean, Emery had his fault. Let's no, not. I, mean, I mean the prompt was like semi-addressed. <laughs> oh, was it? No, it was. I don't did, even remember. No, did a good job there. Artet is not doing a better job than Emery. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I did good enough. I yeah, think. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. If so this, this one, if this one's more wild than the last one, which is really just a goading into talking about Lampard. Yeah, this one's more wild. Yeah, um, okay. Steve Bruce will play in Europe before Jose Mourinho. <laughs> will play in Europe. Manage in Europe, like as a on the European scale, Europa League or Champions League. 
Wow, before Mourinho. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Newcastle just beat Sheffield United 3-0. If Sheffield United is competing, then by the transitive property, Newcastle's going to make it. You know, your points of clarification are really going to mess with me in post because I have a duty to only give 10 seconds uh, to right. this segment. Yeah, you start it when I start talking. Mm. All right. But yes, play in Europe. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I thought right. you were, I thought yeah, Steve Bruce was suiting up his boots. <laughs> I mean, he probably would. He probably have a better chance to to, he, to lace him up. He had a better playing career Europe. than Mourinho, and that's not even a hot take. All right, moving right along. No, it's a, quite a mile. This spicy. Someone other than Jurgen Klopp will win Manager of the Year. I think the job that Brandon Rogers has done at Leicester is nothing short of miraculous. Finishing up in the same category as Manchester United. <laughs> All right. How's that? All right. It, yeah, I know. It was probably the next best thing you could have said. Second. Oh, yeah. Third place. All right. Yeah, that we'll takes an agent well. All right. You don't know. Thanks to big, thank you to Big Shaq for um, letting you know lending us his his amazing voice. Mm. By choice, a uh, little bit leave it. It's a little bit leave it. Let's do a check in, Patrick. What I think we should do here is one compliment and one disrespect to the other people's takes, which we can remind you each other in the audience of. Just a little check in, one one good, one bad. Okay. All right. So here are mine. Am I supposed to be insulting you or you give me one? You? you give me one compliment. You give me one disrespect. One Mourinho head, bobblehead of disrespect. Okay. Here are my takes. Casper Schmeichel will win the Golden Glove, most clean sheets in the league. Sheffield United will finish bottom of the table. David Moyes will get fired from West Ham before the end of the season. Okay, so Sheffield United, to clarify, it was bottom half of the table. Correct. Okay. What did I say? Bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> Mathematically impossible. Book it. Yeah, so I mean I'll give you I'll give you some credit. I'll give you some credit on your Sheffield take. Um basically what they need is for Burnley to catch them. And Burnley has a game in hand and is five points off after Sheffield United took one point from their first two games back. So as far as that take panning out, yeah, good on you there. Um, Thank I'll you. I'll give you some shit for Casper Schmeichel because he completely bottled a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that definitely didn't help my take, although it was a last-minute thing. That's what I'm saying. He bottled it. Yeah, I don't know. He had your take in his, in his precious little goalie glove hands, mm-hmm. and then he pushed the ball in. Mm-hmm. And you know who just picked up another one? Freaking Allison. Didn't Pope pick one up as well? He plays tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. But um. Oh damn, they haven't even played yet. No, they're going into the Etihad. So I'm gonna go ahead and say he's First not gonna back. keep a clean sheet. But we'll see. Unlikely. We'll see. All right, Patrick, what were yours? Remind me. Mine were that Danny Ings was gonna win Golden Boot. Okay. Um, he scored and Vardy did not. So I'm, progress I'm aware. made. I'm aware. Um, Burnmouth was gonna get relegated. And Lester, we're going to finish second. Um, so which one are you going to insult? <laughs> which one's getting insulted? Uh, well, Patrick, like we said last week, my Casper Schmeichel take and your Lester City take are intrinsically bonded. 
You can't mm. have one without the other. So if you're disrespecting my Casper Schmeichel take, guess what, buddy? Guess yeah. what? Yeah, Leicester City, no way in hell they're finishing second place. Man City's got a game up on them. They tossed aside David Luiz like an old nappy. And it it's just the the difference is there. It's going to be third place at best for Leicester. Now, where I will give wow. you some credit. Yeah. I guess they are only three points ahead of Chelsea, so mm. third is in jeopardy even. Mm. Hard to swallow pills. Visual meme. Guy with a bottle that says hard to swallow pills, and it's just your Leicester City take. All right, well, that was a little more disrespect than I gave you, so why don't we move on to the more compliment than I gave you? Yeah, uh, Danny Ying scored a goal, and Vardy didn't, as you said. I think that's I think that's room for uh, a little bit of a compliment. I don't know where it stands now, but he's not in the place. But I think it was a shrewd choice. I didn't think Danny Ings was going to come back firing, and he did. And I think for that, you deserve a little bit of a pat on the back. Appreciate your your begrudging compliment. Um, it was not begrudging. Yeah, it was kind of begrudging. It was a little begrudging. <laughs> I'm just trying to pull up the action because I think he's I think he's now sitting on 16 Tavardi's 19, mm-hmm. so still a way to go. Still a little ways to go, but hey, moving in the right direction. Norwich. Yeah, and he's got bad. Arsenal next, and Emmy Martinez. Norwich so. looked hella bad. Dude, Norwich looked like sh- like we when Pookie's before, when like Pookie's they were not firing. too good to go down. They're they're plenty bad to go down. Yeah, they are plenty bad. Uh, Timu Puki, um, if if he's not playing out his gourd, he missed a couple chances. They've they've got no shot. Yeah, remember at the beginning of the season we t- they, they they started off so well, both Puki and Norwich, just in terms of like exciting mm-hmm. football. Yeah, they had the most goals in the championship the league the year before, and now they got just like twenty one goals on the season. It's atrocious. It's funny. I remembered them fondly going into the quarantine break. Like I thought, I thought they were, they were great. Exciting to watch team. Anyway. Yeah. Uh Patrick, my freak of the week was Hawkeye Technology, if you remember. Um what was yours? Mine was uh Mike Dean's beard. Because he <laughs> he kept the the hair looks the same. So it's not like he like lost the razor. That's a low blow. Um What do you mean? That would like he can't grow hair on his head. Well he's got a little bit on the sides and on the on the back. Everywhere but- everywhere except where you want it. Honestly, it's a great beard. Um, I'm just kind of like, did he did he think that we were just going to think like he just couldn't shave during quarantine? Like, it seems like it's been something he's wanted to do for so long, and he needed. Oh, it's a huge flex. So that's why he's getting the freaks. He's getting it because he knows it's for the moment. It's not for like a necessity. Yeah, he wants to give off the like rugged mountain man look. Like he just came back from a three month wilderness retreat. Yeah, knowing damn well he doesn't have to talk to any press, so everyone's just going to be stern about it. Yeah. Oh, He's, he is the Mourinho of, of officials. I endorse that take fully. And you know what I just realized? I have no idea what he sounds like. Can you picture his voice? Hmm. I have no idea no. what the man sounds like. We talk about him ad nauseum. Yeah, I have no, I, I haven't a clue. Yeah. Haven't a clue. Hmm. Conspiracy pod. Uh, goal of the week, Patrick. We touched on this very slightly. I'll go first. We touched on this very slightly with West Ham versus Wolves. Um, even though he was not the goal scorer, when Adama Traore came on in full beast mode, wearing what looked like youth size large clothes for his massive body, he was different gravy against West Ham. He had an assist. Flexing with the fro. Oh, my Lord. He was looking tough. 
he's a weird one because I feel like he's good enough to play for a top side. I don't know what's going on at, at Wolves where they're kind of like bringing him on as a super sub. Anyway, he tore them up. A true assist to Raul Jimenez and then a hockey assist to what was ultimately my goal of the week from Pedro Neto, who struck a sweet half volley um, into the roof of the net. So just just great work there, James, going first, knowing there's only one true goal of the week, leaving me to scramble. Um, but I won't scramble. I'm giving mine to Pedro Neto as well. It was <laughs> far and away um, the best goal of the week. I do think this was a... Um, a week of some good goals, though. I just think that that, that illustrates to me how great um, the Neto goal was. I mean, I, uh, the the Chilwell goal was insane. And, and I was surprised uh, you didn't give it to the Chilwell goal. Or the other goal in that game from freaking Craig Dawson, the most British, boring central defender in the game, his overhead kick. Yeah, so to me, a bicycle kick is only good if you go up for it. If you fall down... It's not a. It's just. It's 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 mm. not like he did a good job to score, mm. but for me, it's not like mm-hmm. like there, there was no feat of athleticism tied to that. For him, that was like his Mona Lisa. Right, but I'm not comparing him to him. I'm comparing him to to his his compatriots. Okay. To which I say, you do not deserve goal of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some good goals. The the Mape goal was a great move. Uh, the Pepe goal had some class behind it. There were some good goals this week, but the Nettle goal is just out of this world. To hit a to hit a ball that clean on a full field volley, there's 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 not much sweeter. Yeah, sweet as a nut, as they say in FIFA. Uh, let's round it out, Patrick. Degenerate District. It was an okay return for you, in an okay return to the Premier League. So I think it all checks out. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. No. Is there anything you want to say on your on your picks? Um, to remind the viewers. Norwich Southampton panned out. I'm, I know you were sweating All a little bit. All second half goals. I know you're sweating a little bit. Come halftime, mm-hmm. nil-nil. Uh, Rashford and United did not pan out, um, unfortunately, for both your take and my mental health. And um, what was the last one? Oh, yeah, Villa-Chelsea was a respectable crock. Yeah. It was a respectable well, yeah, crock. I think, did not I think pan my out. Pulse, my pulse was good on all, all, my, uh, all my picks. I feel like the, ga- the United... Tottenham game for a crock of that nature. It was a spicy. It meatball. had like the makings of that type of a of a result. It didn't happen, but uh, Rashford had a snapshot that was almost the first goal of the game. So, yeah, almost panned out. I don't quite remember that one. I might have tuned in a little bit late. Okay. Um. Yeah, decent one. Um. So this one is going to be my lock. Um. It's it's minus one sixty five, which I think is great value for this bet. It's Wolves at home over Bournemouth. It just seems like such a no-brainer. And 165, That's albeit... It? Right. I was expecting like plus 300 or something there. Uh, <laughs> so I just think that there's okay. great value in this lock. I think this is absolute... There's there's no other way this game goes, right, James? A Wolves victory over Bournemouth at home. After Wolves' last game and Bournemouth's last game. Right. Yeah, you're, that, you're getting great odds there. Yeah, 165 is fantastic. Yeah, lock it uh, in. And I don't, I don't like taking um, a sure thing. I don't even like taking things that are favorites. You don't like taking lock. locks for locks, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but this one just the odds were just they were. I almost made this my spicy mitta ball um, and locked something else, but I had to stay true to the segment. Right. Uh, my spicy mitta ball this week. Um, I'm gonna do the inverse. So last week. You're also going to bet on Bournemouth against Wolves. 
No, no, no. <laughs> Last week, I, I took my spicy meatball uh, against Chelsea. Chelsea proved me wrong. So now I'm going with Chelsea. Chelsea is plus 290 to win at home against City. And I think it's, you know, I, I expect City to... City's obviously the better team. I expect them to play a better game. But plus 300 at home to City is... That's spicy. I'll tell you what, that's Patrick. Spicy. I know I've had you on watch or notice, as it was called last episode. I like that take. I like that take a lot. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. Chelsea's got a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, my crock is a crock in the truest sense of the word. Um, James, it's an un- it's an unwarranted heat check. <laughs> it's basically. Because like, I felt good about all my three bets. I felt good about these first two bets. Um, so we're pushing the chips to the center of the table here. Just seeing what's happening. <laughs> I am taking Crystal Palace to win in an empty Anfield at plus 1,200. Oh, and no. And this is off the back of Liverpool, in my opinion... Just not looking that sharp. Uh, Palace is, believe it or not, they're looking up at the table thinking that European football is a possibility for them. I think they have a ton to play for. If you don't love that bet, understandably, but you think that the, the logic is fine, a draw is plus 550 as well. But in true croc fashion, true I have croc. to go with the more ridiculous more ridiculous yeah, God odds. damn, that's true croc. Yeah, but Chelsea or um, Crystal Palace is, is a win. And a Sheffield United loss away from being in the Europa League seventh mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. So, I think that Ch- Crystal Palace is a team we talked about they, at the beginning of the season. If they if they let go of Zaha, they'd be relegated. And now, look at them now. So, all credit to to um, yeah, credit to the boys to Hudson yeah. and them over there. They're 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 having themselves a nice little campaign against against. Um, I don't want to say against all odds, but against what I I certainly expected of them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Patrick. The, the croc, I let you go. I, I just let you shoot on the croc. I'm not going to check you for a croc. Um, mm. I like... I like. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I like this collection. That's your zone. That's your time to go have fun. Um, as as the financial manager for Ben Reed, I do like to, you know, monitor your uh, your locks and your spicy meatballs. And I feel like this is, this is panning out okay. Obviously, we're going to have to have a little performance review part due if uh, this comes back goose egg. So... Let's hope for your sake it pans out. I did also just want to point something out here, just in the terms of the ridiculous nature of this. They won't even give me odds on a 3 nothing Palace win. <laughs> they won't even give me odds for that. But they'll give me odds Demand on an 8 nothing, an 8 nothing Liverpool win. Wow. So 8 nothing Liverpool is more likely than 3 nothing Palace. Well, that's... Yeah. Experts. Let debate. me tell you this. A a seven nothing Liverpool win has the exact same odds as a three one or a three two Crystal Palace win. Wow. Well we can noodle that all Plus day. Plus ten thousand. <laughs> I just picture you with three monitors, ponies up on one, half of your work up on another, and then Bavada live stream. No, I can't do that. I can't do it. It's just too it's it's just too difficult. Um more, more just for like my mental health sure. and actually doing anything in the day. Like if you bet, even if you bet five bucks on a game, you can get a little bit invested in it. And right now, it's a beautiful part about the return of the prem. It's like 
I think over the next two weeks we have two games with or two days without games. Sure. Over the next next fourteen days. Yeah, it's all you can eat. Golden Corral. All right, Patrick. <laughs> with that, let's send it on out of here, uh, folks. We're so happy to be back. The Premier League filling our days yet again. Patrick's got things to crock and lock once again. Um, we'll see you next week. And, oh, by which time, Liverpool may be champions. So if they are, yes. if they are, just know. Okay, so whether or not they are or they aren't, we will not mention it next episode. Wait, what? It'll just come, it'll just happen in passing. Like two, like two ships in the night. Prem de la Prem and Liverpool winning the title. To, to, to our Liverpool friends, I won't allow it. <laughs> I will celebrate your, your victory. No, I mean, there's it, there's no point in, like, belaboring the fact. Right, yeah. What's done is done. Yeah. Are you going to invest or not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we'll say a word or two on it. Uh, to our Liverpool friends, to our non-Liverpool friends, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and we will catch you next Tuesday on Prem to Prem. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem De La Prem Podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.